Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. We have a new episode for you today, a lot of mailbag. I'm Jason Chen, your co-host in Vancouver. Joining me is Mike Amato in Toronto. How's it going, Mike? Good. A perfectly normal day in Toronto. Normal reactions after last night. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious when Ridley Gregg fired that point-blank slap shot empty netter. Yeah, I thought it was uh, funny how there's people saying like, you know, Austin Matthews did the same thing last week in the skills competition. He just took a slap <laughs> shot into an empty net. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was quite a wild scene there. I was pretty surprised to see that from Riley. So I'm always a fan of chaos. So when uh, Morgan Riley had that reaction, I wasn't really surprised. But I do think I don't know if really Greg would have done that had the game been in Toronto. Probably not. I think I think like. <laughs> Yeah, and he got carried away in Ottawa. Yeah, sold out crowd, provincial rival, uh, big emphatic win. I I kind of liked it. Um, really, Greg is one of my favorite players to watch because he like mucks it up pretty good. I think he's taking probably too like, and this is coming from a Leafs fan. Like he's taking too much heat. I think like people are calling it like disrespectful and uh, you know tasteless. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think it's that, but I do think you know like let's call it what it was. He he was showing up. The other team he was rubbing yeah. it in and when you do that um in professional sports especially in hockey like you have to be ready for something and you know did riley take it too far yeah probably you know it he's gonna been... get suspended oh 100 like he's gonna get I- i'd say i'm gonna say a minimum three games who knows with the department of player safety mm-hmm. you know I, I mean we're recording this early on sunday because of the super bowl so we might find out later today or or monday but um we'll see how that goes but i i can't see him getting any less than three games you know people are comparing it to like the dale hunter cross check on <laughs> pierre turgeon like 20 something year, maybe 30 years ago like if anyone remembers that but i don't think it was that bad but and riley like if we should be pointed out like if riley reacted that way and i talked about this on on twitter um after it happened like i think 31 other teams would have had a similar reaction because morgan riley is probably like the calmest tamest one player there is like he i don't even think he had a penalty minute until a couple of weeks ago this season like he's he's not that kind of player um it just set him off and yeah he's, he's gonna pay the price for it but i mean i think it's it's two ways to look at it right like if you're there's a probably a big part of the the crowd or the fan base of, of the Leafs that would, if, if they didn't do anything that would be up in arms today, like, Oh, nobody responded to Greg, you know, disrespecting you like that. And now if you do this, everyone's like, Oh man, you can't do that. And this it's, I don't know. Hockey's a weird culture and stuff like this happens. And uh, you know, Rilo gets suspended. Hard to please. It's, it's a good thing though. Cause Leafs play three games at home um, next week and they're not like the toughest opponents. Um, but if Morgan Riley suspended, who's going to take over that power play? So I think we could see one of your favorite things in the world, which is a five forward uh, power play. It's I think it's possible. I don't know what they'll do. Like I could see them putting, even though Nylander was the guy that gave the puck away, um, that led to the goal last night at the point, I, I could see them putting Nylander back there, quarterbacking it, or, or maybe Marner or somebody and putting like Bertuzzi on that top power play, putting him in front mm-hmm. of the net. I guess see them trying that because the Leafs don't really have another great option. I know like Lilligren's there. He's probably the next person up, but to me, he's just like 
the slightly better of a bunch of bad options. Like you're not putting, <laughs> you're not putting Brody there. You're not putting McCabe there. You're sure as heck not putting Simone Benoit there. Like Giordano's hurt. He's not going there. Like, I don't really know. Maybe caught like Connor Timmons, but man, he's, he's scary defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe more scary than Nylander. Um, back <laughs> so we'll see. I don't know. I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing out there to grab like Lilligren or something thinking he's going to, you know, quarterback yep. that power play for a few games but just just anecdotally i i think once william leander uh, secured the bag his his play hasn't been quite the same no it, it hasn't <laughs> i don't know if that's a coincidence but it's been a pretty big nightmare optically um like as soon as he put pen to paper he's he had that one game against the canucks where he kind of got like mm. two strange goals like that shouldn't have gone in they just kind of yeah. like were fluky shots um mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, he's been kind of quiet. So it's, yeah, it's not looking good there. If you're the Leafs, you're missing some players. You kind of need him to step up. But with Riley, Riley going to miss some time too. It's it's not ideal. Yeah. So this podcast wouldn't be a fantasy hockey podcast without talking about some goalies. <laughs> it seems like it's always like the hottest topic in fantasy hockey, no matter where you go. But with the Rangers, Jonathan Quick versus Igor Shesterkin has become a real hot topic. I thought Jonathan Quick would kind of regress after the first half he had. Um, I thought he played out of his mind. I wasn't convinced, given his age and the workload he's had in the past seasons, that he could keep this up. But it looks like the Rangers might have to go with Jonathan Quick because Igor Shesterkin has not been the Igor Shesterkin we've known and remember. If you wanted any evidence that goalies are extremely volatile and hard to predict, the fact that we're talking about 38-year-old Jonathan, Jonathan Quick, Quick. <laughs> taking over, you know, Igor Shesterkin, who like two years ago had one of the best seasons ever yep. by a goalie, is probably the most, um, you know, evidence you're ever going to find of that. And it's true. Like, Quick has been unbelievable. Um, I, I'm shocked that he's played this well. He And he got two starts this week, um, not on a back-to-back, against two mm-hmm. good opponents. Like, he, Colorado and Tampa, really good against both teams. The first one I could kind of see because Shesterkin – played in the all-star game. Yep. So I thought, okay, maybe they're just giving him like an extra day's rest. But then when he started again on Wednesday, I was like, Hmm, this is kind of interesting now. And just Sirkin, I don't think anybody needed to pull that game out against Chicago on Friday more than <laughs> Igor Sirkin. Like they gave up a two goal lead, I think in the third and they just wanted an overtime. Like if he lost that game to the Blackhawks and gave up like four goals, I think it would have been real trouble. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think like quick is, any long-term threat just Sturkin's no. value. But in like the near future when the Rangers are sort of trying to lock down a division title and, you know, battling for the playoffs, like I think, yeah, Quick could, you know, work in there more, get more starts. Maybe it becomes closer to like, you know, 50-50 all of a sudden, um, which is kind of scary if you had just Sturkin. I think he was the 15th overall pick ADP in drafts this year. Like, you know, just another kind of, cautionary tale about zero g and and why it's really risky to do that so it has not been a banner year for russian goalies even though they dominate the nhl i would say that if the playoffs started today shesterkin would start for the rangers definitely yeah Yeah. and i think i was kind of curious whether they would start shesterkin against blackhawks because that feels like a soft matchup that you want to throw your stuff in and and get him going because it feels like an easy win it wasn't easy and no. so I'm a little curious. I do think Shesterkin still has more value long-term, uh, but Quick is definitely worth rostering, especially if Shesterkin, just having the two goalies together. Um, it's still a long season. We still got like 
30, 25, 30 games to go. So a lot could still happen, but I, I wouldn't write off Igor Shesterkin just yet. I, it's kind of no. like Samsonov, like young goalies, they're going to go through these ups and downs and he's the guy long-term anyway. No, you, you can't write him off. But when you go into a week and you look at the Rangers schedule and they play Colorado, Tampa, and Chicago, mm-hmm. you would not think the starts would shake out the way they did. Like you would not think quick would get Colorado, Tampa and Chesterkins get Chicago like that should tell you something kind of where their heads at right now with mm-hmm. the goalies. So yeah, I think it's like you said, if quick is still floating around in your league, I would, I would definitely grab them. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more quick notes. Uh, anti Ranta is hurt again to no one's surprise. So I think Carolina is going to go with Kochekov and Spencer Martin and, and hope that Frederick Anderson comes back. Um, Kochekov obviously has a lot of value. He's been playing really well. The Canes in general have been playing really well. Um, but what's your take on the Canes? Yeah, I think suddenly Martin might have a little bit of value, maybe more as a streamer. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, anybody in Carolina's system is going to be pretty favorable in that there. But yeah, I think, you know, Anderson sounds like he's been skating. Um, we talked about him last week as a stash for the NA spot. Um, so we'll see if he can make, make it back, you know, in time for the the fantasy season. Um, but yeah, I actually think- on that note, so I checked recently, but uh, Anderson's now a, like an IR player. He was NA before, but he's IR now. So it, it depends on what sort of roster swats you have. But uh, I thought that was an interesting development because I do remember Anderson being NA for a while, right? Like, yeah, he, maybe because he's getting back on the ice, like he's getting yeah. closer and they just switched it up. So yeah, yeah, I think he, he might have a chance to get back there. I also, I always wonder, you know, does Carolina get in the goalie market at all? It probably depends a lot on, you know, if they where they think Anderson's at. Like, if they believe he's mm-hmm. going to come back in time for the for the playoffs, then they're probably not. But I wonder if somebody like you know Mark Andre Fleury for them just to just to help. Um, but you know, if they're if they're comfortable with Kachekov, you know, maybe they just stand pat. They're not a team that makes kind of like a panic move in these situations, so. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the other one, Dustin Wolf gets called up to the Calgary Flames. Dan Vladar's on IR. Um, I really like Dustin Wolf. Hasn't been the best um, so far, but I mean, this is a not so great Flames team, although they're trending up. Um, I think not having a lot of distractions or at least fewer distractions with a lot of the trades that are coming up, I think that'll help. I don't think they'll move Jacob Markstrom unless there's like a huge offer out there. Um, but I figure Dustin's, Dustin Wolf's going to get a few starts here and there down the stretch. Um, not a lot of fantasy value, maybe long-term for the rest of the season, but you got San Jose in the middle week coming up. I feel like that might be a game you can throw Dustin Wolf into. Um, and if he plays well, that's a name to remember for next season. Definitely. And I think, you know, you talked about Markstrom maybe getting traded. I'm not sure it's going to happen either, but it sounds like there's been some chatter with the devils about it. Um, and it seems like he's maybe more willing to go than he was before. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think if that were to happen, then yeah, Wolf's going to have a lot of value, but he'll definitely probably have more value. And I, I can't see him not being the, on the roster next year. Like I can't see them yeah. with Mark Sherman Bladar again. Like it's gotta be Wolf there next year, full time. So he definitely will. But yeah, if for whatever reason, you know, Markstrom were to move, I think Wolf would have more immediate value. But I think we got to point out, like, Markstrom has been unbelievable um, this Lately, year. Lately, yeah, 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 yeah. 
especially lately. So I don't know how many games, especially the Flames, I think are only like a point out of the playoffs now, maybe. Um, yeah, Kuzmenko, did you hear him? Uh, I think is the game he scored, I think it was his debut, but in the locker room, he was like, hey, let's let's go playoff time. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's happened before where a team has sold off players and then made the playoffs. Well, I think uh, that bottom of the West is pretty wide open. Like it's St. Louis, yeah. Nashville, Calgary, maybe the Kraken are kind of hanging around and that's pretty much it. So none of those yeah. teams I feel like are going to run away with it. So they definitely have a chance. And that's why I wonder if, like if Markstrom keeps playing like this, I think they do have a good chance. If they trade him, it might be trickier. And obviously, that's like, tougher, way tougher. They might move Tanev and Hannafin too, and then it's going to get really tough. So we'll see. But I think as long as Markstrom's there and playing this, this well, yeah, Wolf is probably only a streamer option at this point. But. Mm-hmm. And we should mention Mac Weger coming off a hat trick performance, been unbelievable in fantasy. Uh, I did not see this coming. I picked him up earlier in the season. He's actually saved one of my fantasy teams. Um, and we'll talk about that later, but he's been fantastic. Yeah, leading the NHL in goals by defenseman. Uh, who would have thought, you know, with the yeah, Huberto, know, right? Huberto Kachuk trade, he was kind of like an afterthought. And now I think he's been way more valuable than Huberto in fantasy um, mm-hmm. and probably more valuable than, you know, like Aaron Eckblad or Brandon Montour this year, who. Yeah. You know, the Panthers were probably comfortable moving Uyghur because they had those guys. Um, so, yeah, he's been a great story. But he had six shots uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, too. Like, he's he seems like a different player, suddenly more confident. So it's really good if you have Uyghur. I think he's going to be pretty big down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing before we get to the mailbag. So at least a few episodes <laughs> ago, and I've mentioned this multiple times, is that hits were down across the league. Block shots were way up. And suddenly, in the middle of the week, the NHL released a statement that they did an audit of all the hits, and everyone got a bump. I, I was surprised by that. I thought everyone would get maybe a fewer hits um, because there's always, you know, home team bias where you know the Cal Clutterbuck effect, where he gets credited with a few more hits per game. But everyone across the league, it seems like, got um, audited, and and everyone got adjusted upwards. So I think we were on to something when we noticed that trend, eh? Yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked. Um I've many times been watching games and you know, I've had a player on my team that I've seen, you know, come in on the four check, hit somebody with a perfect body check, and I'm looking at my my sort of Yahoo matchup mm-hmm. and I don't see a hit added. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything tabulated. I've I've seen that a lot. I know hits are way underreported. I think it's really good, you know, from a fantasy perspective um, that this is happening because you want it to be as accurate as possible. I know a lot of people are up in arms because, you know, I haven't seen them reflected in Yahoo though. No, and I don't think they will be. Like I think because I I saw somebody. That's not. No, it's hard to go back that far. Although, Mm -hmm. like some of the names, like I saw, I saw somebody was pointing out some of the leaf numbers, for example, like someone like Jake McCabe got 17 hits added to his mm-hmm. total like that's mm-hmm. that's not insignificant right and mm-hmm. you know like if you're playing in a, a multi-cat league there's a lot of times like as we speak right now going into today's games on sunday like i'm up two hits on my opponent mm-hmm. so like when you're talking about a lot of hits being added per game like that that is not an insignificant thing um yeah. but i think it's as like- long as it's like how you add it too, right? Do you add it all lump sum or do you like spread it out or do you well, go back and audit each game per week? Because they, they said they did audit each game. So mm-hmm. in theory, they could 
they could do it. I did, I did. I mean, the NHL audit each game. I don't think Yahoo Sports is going to like mm-hmm. collect that data and go back <laughs> to like every single matchup and fix yeah. it um, at this point. But I don't know. Maybe it makes players that I guess it makes everybody more valuable because it sounds like everybody fr- from a hits perspective. I think everyone's going to get more hits on their total. Um, like for example, yesterday Elias Pettersson, I think he had five hits, mm-hmm. um, which is unusual. Um, so like maybe everyone's going to start to see you know, their hit totals climb. Maybe it puts more of an emphasis on guys that do hit because maybe, you know, now suddenly we're going to see players with like seven, eight, nine hits in a game, which, you know, is kind of rare. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like it from that perspective. Um, I hope it's more accurate because I was always very hesitant to like add somebody on a Sunday when I was down like a couple of hits in the category because it's so random the way it's the way it was tackled. Well, I always yeah. thought so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to burn a move sometimes because I'd be like, this guy might hit, you know, get five hits, but they might give him like two or three. Like, so I don't know. There are certain players that always get a fair number of hits, but I get your point. Like, it's it's yeah. tough to say. A guy like Clutterbuck or even William Carrier or even Jeremy Lozon, those guys are always good, um, even if they're yeah. underreported. Yeah. No, for sure. But I'm just proud of the fact that we noticed that trend and, and someone else that is higher up in the league noticed that and, and uh, fixed it. Yep. All right, let's move on to the mailbag. Uh, we got plenty of questions. Some of these are really, really good. So um, thoughtful questions this week. I like it. Yeah, and they're hard, and I think there's going to be some debate. So um, let's queue up the first question. Uh, this is from Sasha Lagarde. Banger categories. Keep two out of these three left wings: Evander Kane, Philip Forsberg, or Kyle Connor. This one's hard. Uh, very interesting. Mike, you want to answer this one first? Uh. Yeah, it's super tough. I think I'm probably going to go with Kane and Connor on this one. Um, <laughs> That's what I have to. That's yeah, very, to. very begrudgingly, I guess. Like, it's hard to leave Forsberg off. Um, I just think he's been playing a little above his capabilities this year from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, Kane has been playing better lately. I think he got a hat trick the other day. Um, he's always pretty good for hits. So it's always a tough. You know, we, I feel like I have this debate with people every year when I do my rankings, when you're kind of doing a, a Cats league and you're kind of ranking points versus hits, like where do you slot guys in? Um, so Connor, I think, is somebody that, you know, has potential like 40 or, or 50 goal pace potential. So I would always keep him just for the sheer offensive numbers. And I think Forsberg is obviously better offensively than Kane, but that value kind of evens out when you factor in Kane's hits. So that that's probably what I would do. Yeah, I agree there. So 40 goals from Connor is always hard to find in in, in any league. Yeah. So you'll you keep Kyle Connor even though he has terrible banger category coverage. Um so to make up for it, you keep Kane because he'll hit more than Forsberg. So you get the most goal potential out of Connor and you get the most hits potential out of Kane. So that gives you that covers your bases pretty much. Forsberg is a solid player, but I also feel like um, he's a guy you could probably get in your draft, and, and I agree. I think that entire Nashville top line has been playing above its uh, above its normal expectations this year. Yeah, and I think we should point out quickly. Like, it also depends on your league categories. Like, I know some leagues have uh, like things like hits weighted differently. So, for example, yeah, enough, yeah. like my main league, um, it's just twelve categories, and you get two points for winning a category. So. You get just as many points for winning the hits category as you would the goals or assists category. So, like, I think players that hit in my league are a little less valuable in a sense because, mm-hmm. 
you know, that's why I always have like a guy like Jack Hughes way ahead of not way ahead of, but someone like Brady Kachuk because Mm -hmm. he's better in like, you know, eight of the 12 categories than Kachuk would be. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's just more valuable. But if you're in a league where like, you know, I guess like hits are weighted, you know, differently, like a Roto league, sometimes hits are worth a certain, you know, percentage. It's different. So yeah, it always depends on your league categories too. Yeah. Uh, Next question. All right. This one is from Alan G. Is Brandon Montour a drop in a 10-team league? Uh, this one's interesting. I feel like you and I would have different answers. And my my answer is uh, you should keep Brandon Montour. Um, I've watched him play a little bit. I think Montour is playing a lot better. It's just not showing on the stat sheet. Florida has a pretty easy schedule for the rest of the season because they play the Sabres and the Senators three times each. I know Montour is a tough hold right now because he's not producing. But I see the upside, and he's underperforming his expected goals by quite a bit. And it also depends on your alternative. Like, if you're thinking about replacing Montour with a Chikrin or a Hannafin, I'd just keep Montour. I just think that the potential is so much better. And I feel like there's going to be a hot run for the Panthers and Montour coming soon. Uh, if not, it's one of those things where, like, it's just poor luck and gold streaks can last for an entire season. But um if you have four d slots in a 10 team league that's 40 defensemen taken i think montours around that that range where you can keep them so you are correct um we are gonna have different opinions on this (laughs) i i think he is a drop um i agree with a lot of what you're saying he's getting good deployment good minutes he's playing Um, well just not getting the points he is and i think we've been talking about that for feels like months now that he's gonna, yeah 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 gonna break out but i think i think you actually mentioned this um maybe like a few pods ago that he's playing a little bit differently like the panthers mm-hmm. are not letting him rove as much and they're yeah, kind of, less roving yeah yeah more structured and like more defensive which is kind of why i get concerned a bit because i think that's what really made him successful he basically just you know they were letting him do whatever he wanted um and i think in a league that shallow with only 10 teams there probably are a few better options out there um so i think at this point uh, I, I think and also like i always say this but depends on where you are in the standings if you're comfortably in mm-hmm. first or in a playoff spot yeah maybe you hold them because there's a lot of upside there but if you're desperately trying to win the next couple of matchups to keep your playoff hopes alive then you might have to drop them and yeah that's a great point because because a lot of times in these ten teams league, ten team leagues, you're you're actually streaming quality players. Yeah, you're not streaming bottom of the barrel guys uh, who are playing up in the lineup for a game or two. All right, next question. This is from Nick uh, Ekblad. Worth holding on to. <laughs> All right, a lot of a Florida lot of uh, yeah, Florida Panthers D questions. So I'm. It's kind of the same. So, like, what are your other options? Generally, I'm not a big Ekblad fan in fantasy. Agreed. I think he's just slightly above average in just about everything. So, he's not going to lose your league. He's not going to win your league. He's just kind of there. Um, And I think with Ekblad, if he's your third or fourth defenseman, I think you're in okay shape. If he's the guy you're relying on, you need to get someone else. Yeah, I'm not a big Ekblad fantasy guy i think you could drop him um mm-hmm. i think he re- when you look at his career he had that one really good year two three years ago i think mm-hmm. it was maybe in the shortened season um mm-hmm. where he scored at a really good pace but other than that he's kind of he really hasn't been fantasy relevant like in any, no. in any other season like he 
he's comparable to players you could find on on waivers, even in like a deep league. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't really think you need to hold him um, unless it's some kind of crazy, you know, eighteen twenty team league with huge rosters or anything like that. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're in a, if you're in something between like a ten and fourteen team league, I, I think he's droppable. I think Ekblad is really tough to value as a defenseman. It's just in real life and fantasy too. Like, I think he moves the puck well. I think he gets shots on net, but he's not, he's clearly not in that upper echelon. So uh, the upside is just capped, in my opinion. And with Montour there, I'd rather have Montour over Ekblad. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I don't know where like the Ekblad love came from. Like, I think it was that one, <laughs> like I said, that one year he, he had a really great season. And, and ever since, like, people, just really think he's, you know, everything and then they want to have him on the roster, but he really yeah. hasn't lived up to it. So, yeah, I would just point out that one tiner, tiny detail is that Gustav Forsling is also great in fantasy. So it's those three guys in a sort of in the same sort of tier, I would say. All right. Next question. This is from fantasy hockey fiend. Uh, a lot of defenseman questions, actually. How many defensemen do you carry a four slots? What is your approach to drafting them? I try to make sure four out of my five guys are PP1 guys, but looking at my teams in my leagues, most seem content with two to three guys playing PP1. Yeah, so I, in, in my league, um, we have five defenseman slots. Um, so That's I like, a lot. I know. I, it's a deep league. I like to carry an extra defenseman, so I actually carry six. So in in this case here, I think I would recommend carrying five um, mm-hmm. just because if you have, like in my league, we have hits and blocks and penalty minutes. So I think having the extra uh, D-man is pretty valuable. And yeah, I think if it's a points league, um, you might want to try and get more guys on power play one. Obviously, if it's a multi-cat, then yeah, you two or three guys is probably fine. And you can look for some guys, um, you know, that are playing on the power play that can help you. Like, for example, I was actually having this, debate with somebody on twitter this week like i have jake mccabe on my roster and he was saying like oh you know like if anybody has jake mccabe you're you're probably losing your league and i was like <laughs> oh like jake mccabe is actually really valuable in my league like for hits and blocks yep. plays a ton of minutes like he's very effective in those categories so there's a lot of guys like that like i even had ryan graves on my roster for a little bit this year just those kind of players um, are pretty valuable and you can usually get them off waivers or late in your your drafts and they really don't play much on the power play. So yeah. you don't always need a power play one guys. Uh, I'm with you. It depends on the league settings. I also carry one extra D I'm not always carrying one extra D, but usually I am just because um, not every D plays every night. So at least you can rotate and pick your matchups too. If you're looking at block shots and hits, that's always a bit more matchup dependent in my opinion. So if you have a shot blocker and he's playing against a weak team, odds are he's probably not going to be blocking a lot of shots because the other team's not firing the pucks. <coughs> um, as far as like quality goes, I do think the quality of D tends to drop off pretty easily from the top yeah. to the middle. So I always try to have at least one or two elite D uh, out of my four guys. In one league, I made a mess of my draft or a defenseman in my draft where I had Petrangelo, Wierenski, Falk, Keandre Miller, and Mike Matheson. And I thought, you know, that's good enough. Clearly it wasn't. I actually ended up turning that into Petrangelo, Philipronic, Mac Wieger, and no adoption. And it's completely saved my season. In another league, I drafted Darlene, Yossi, and Bouchard. And that was a position I just didn't have to worry about for the rest of the season. Um, so that's why I like it. It's, it's just having that one or two reliable elite guys. Obviously not every season they're going to be elite. Um, I look at Roman Yossi this year and he's kind of fallen off a little bit. 
part of that's playing with the Preds. Um, if you have uh, two to three guys on the power play one on your roster, I just make sure that they're the elite kind, not like a Boquist or a Dowdy or even a Spurgeon, where they're just kind of there because they don't have anyone better and the upside is a little capped. Yeah, that's a good point too. I was going to mention that like there's, I think it's good to have those one or two high end guys and then you can kind of build around them. Mm-hmm. But like you bring up a good point. Like there's actually, when you really break it down, there's, there's not that many like number one quarterback D men in the league that are like cemented into that spot. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of guys that you might draft that start on power play one. Um, and then like, you know, like look at, look at John Klingberg in Toronto. Like he, <laughs> everyone drafted him this year. Oh, he's on the, going to be starting on power play mm-hmm. one. And you know, he was, basically out of the lineup by November. So like a lot of stuff changes. You know, he said Spurgeon, like I think Faber's, I know Spurgeon's hurt, but mm-hmm. like Faber's overtaken him, I think clearly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's not a lot of D that kind of can really hold down that spot. Like things change a lot. So you might mm-hmm. draft, you know, a few guys that you think are going to be power play one. And after a few weeks, they're, they're off power play one. And then yeah. they're really, they really lose their value. So that's why sometimes it's better to look at players with blocks and hits because that stuff will always stay pretty consistent. Yeah. Agreed. Next question. All right. This one is from Lahake. Uh, when now do you package Luke Hughes in a second round pick for Fox and an eighth round pick? Uh, it's a categories league. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, if you're win now, I'd, I'd go with Fox. I think yeah. he has more power play upside. I think Luke Hughes is a better shooter. Um, Fox, as far as. Um, elite power play defenseman go. Um, he's more of a playmaker than a shooter. But overall, I think Fox just covers more categories. And if you're, especially if you're thinking about plus minus, um, the Devils are not the team to mine for that stat. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's like a a crazy trade to move that. I know you're going to give up that second round pick, but mm-hmm. Hughes has kind of hit a wall. I think Fox is like. I think Fox is going to be better than Hughes for. I don't know. At least a few more years. I, I really, would say, eh? like, I, I, I think so. Like, as long as that Rangers, like, as long as that power play is still there, like mm-hmm. Panarin and, and Zibanejad and Kreider, like, I think Fox is going to be fine. Um, I think Hughes is going to be good eventually, but if it's if you're in win win now mode, I don't think you're you're losing too much. You're not even giving up a first round pick, really. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about um, draft picks uh, in a in maybe the next few questions because we got a few of those, but that really depends on how well you draft, and I also think. With Luke Hughes um, in New Jersey, keep in mind that Dougie Hamilton's still there. So we're going to have point. to see how that you know, shakes out next year. Um, Luke, with the Rangers, Fox doesn't really have that much competition. No, so. unless Eric Gustafson somehow comes back. But he's not really yeah. competition. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just phenomenal if someone gets hurt and he goes yeah. in there and he looks like uh, yeah. Bobby Orr for a week. But you know. Yeah. All right, next question. This is from Peak 90s Hockey again. Uh, this is another really interesting um, trade question, and I, I actually think this is really hard. Um, so he asks, uh, considering selling before the deadline while starting to squeak out a playoff berth, deal Connor David an 11th round pick or in front for Jack Hughes in the first round pick. Keeper league, yes or no, categories are goals, assists, power play goals, power play assists, shorthanded goals, game winners, and plus minus. Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, That's a nice draft pick. Like a first rounder always has a bit of value, right? It is. And he actually sent, he actually sent me, I feel like he sent me this too on Twitter with an updated 
deal. I'm going to try to find it. It had like a couple of defensemen in it too. Um, okay. It was up. He updated it. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just try and find it. Okay. So yeah, he sent it to me this morning. Speaking of Fox, he says, what if it was Jack Hughes, Adam Fox and a first for McDavid Dobson and an 11th. So Fox and Dobson added. I'd take Dobson deal. over Fox. I would. That That's why like I'm, when I see this deal, I'm I'm thinking I'm on the McDavid side mm-hmm. of it. Even though you're getting a first round pick um, out yeah. of it, and I don't I don't think like Fox and Dobson are that you know far apart. But I think Dobson is is got the better potential here. Yeah. Um. I just think I think with Jack Hughes now, and tell me if I'm crazy about this, but are you getting slightly concerned about his injuries? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like when I answered this question, this was one of the things I talked about. I said, in any given season, uh, I do think McDavid is still going to be the top scorer in the league. And he's going to probably outscore Jack Hughes by maybe 10, 20 points. 20 would be the extreme, but I think 10 points is is really possible. Um, keep in mind, in New Jersey, Jack Hughes is sharing the ice with a lot of other good players. So he, they're going to spread those minutes around. The injury thing does scare me. And in a keeper league, McDavid's only 27. So he's still very much in his prime. Yeah. Um, the picks to me are a bit of a wash because, again, that depends on how we draft and how many keepers you can keep per season. But for me, for the next few years, Connor McDavid is the top fantasy player. Yeah, hundred percent. So, like, you're gonna if you're giving up, let's say you break it down piece by piece, you're giving up, you know, Hughes for McDavid. You're you're not gonna really win that. Um, that part of it, mm-hmm. Fox for Dobson. Um, I think you're not gonna win that either. Right now, that first round pick, could you turn that into something that gives you an edge in that deal? Maybe, but yeah, like you said, it's really hard with picks mm-hmm. and it's and it's random. So, and yeah, like the Hughes injury thing, like. He's so talented, but when you when you look at him, like he's very slight, like he's undersized, um, and I just worry about him. Like he plays kind of like I don't know, reckless. Word. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say <laughs> reckless. Like his first game back against the Flames, I was watching it, and he went like head first into the net with Marshall like <laughs> on a drive to the net, and I'm like, man, just take it easy. Like we just got you back here. Like um, don't go down again. So that is starting to concern me now. Um, it's not, I don't think it like would affect, you know, his keeper status if you have him mm-hmm. right now. But if you're talking about dealing him for McDavid, thinking like, you know, he's going to be close to or on par with McDavid and he, and like, if he played 82 games, I don't think he'd be that far off from him from a production standpoint. Like, I think he'd still be below McDavid, but it wouldn't be like, yeah. you know, night and day. But I think you have to almost look at it now. Like Hughes is probably going to miss like, you know, it feels like 10 to 12 games a year on average, like mm-hmm. right now, the way it's trending. Yeah, and with McDavid, other than that rookie season where he broke his collarbone, he's been pretty healthy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd probably stick with Connor McDavid. Um, Next question, this is from DZL25. Is that Diesel? I don't know how you say that. But he asks, uh, are draft picks overrated with deeper offensive value in today's game, especially in the Keeper League with top 40 players off the board? How would your deadline strategy change if so? Love this question. Yes. Um, I always talk about draft picks in this way. I think people overvalue them. Mm-hmm. I'm in a league. Um, I'm in a 14 team league where you keep four players. So that is 56 players are off the board mm-hmm. every year. So I tend to not really worry so much after the first 
couple of rounds. Like mm-hmm. I think the difference between a fifth round pick and a ninth round pick, I think in these types of leagues is almost nothing. Yeah. Um, so like, for example, I made a trade this past week in my league where not, a, not a huge deal, but I traded um, Ryan Strom and Ryan Graves and a ninth round pick to this guy in our league. Who's like rebuilding his team's second last for uh, Tyler Sagan Colton. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I should say I traded a six, six round pick um, for uh, Tyler Sagan, Colton Pareko and a ninth. So I got a ninth back. So to me, flipping the six for a ninth is it's a wash. Is, it's a wash. And, and I'm upgrading, I'm getting a decent upgrade at my right wing and D slot. So I'll make that deal all day long. Right. So that's what I would say. I do think like the first few rounds are still valuable in these formats, mm-hmm. especially if you have, um a limit on how long you can keep players so like for Mm -hmm. example some years in our league you can only keep players for four years so every fourth year like Connor mcdavid goes back into the the pot right so if you're Mm -hmm. giving up a first round pick in that year you have to watch it because it could end up being like mcdavid or mckinnon or whoever um and there's also a player you know like Connor bedard this year um comes into the league that is a pretty you know valuable piece sometimes you get a uh, number one pick that's you know looks like he could be a generational talent and that's a very valuable pick that you don't want to just throw away so there are years where you have to just pay attention to that and you might want to not throw around those top you know first second and third round picks too loosely but overall i think once you get beyond that the the difference in picks is is kind of negligible and i think you see that in a lot of like real leagues whether it's like the nfl or even the nhl they talk about that like once you get past like pick 15 or pick 20 in a draft that they start to get very comparable and you shouldn't really worry about trading picks as much. Yeah. Agreed. So, which is why any team looking to acquire Henrique, maybe that first round pick that you're holding onto isn't that, isn't that valuable, especially with the draft class we have. Yep. Um, I would, I totally agree with this. Um, I'm really aggressive trading away draft picks. Um, the only downside I can see is that in one of my leagues, we do live drafting. So in-person drafting, and I have a habit of trading a lot of my mid-round picks, especially if I'm going for the championship. So there's about a, an hour stretch where I'm not making any picks at all. And you just get a little bored. So that's just a side note. But I agree. Anything, depending on how many keepers you have, but I'd say any pick outside of the top five rounds, I don't value much at all. And again, it all comes down to your drafting ability. Like, what are you keeping? Yeah. What are you looking for? What are your other GMs doing in your league? Uh, like I said, in my other league, when it comes to defensemen, I had a terrible draft with defensemen. But if you're good with the waiver wire, if you're good with the late round picks, then it could save your season. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. Waiver wire is key too. Like I always say, it's a good exercise Like every summer to go back into the draft results of the previous year and go look at like after round five, let's say, like you mentioned the top five picks and see how many players actually stuck on rosters for the whole mm-hmm. year. A yeah. lot of players after that round will have been dropped on waivers or have been guys picked up on waivers that mm-hmm. were much better. So it just guys kind of goes to show you that, you know, those picks aren't everything. Yeah, agreed. All right, this one is from Jesse G. Uh, I know we are a few weeks out, but what are some fantasy playoff players to start trading for and keeping an eye on? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, th- this one's tough. 
um, because you're assuming that any player gets traded is going to go on a better team, but that doesn't necessarily translate to better fantasy uh, production because they might play low in the lineup um, than, you know, on a bad team. So uh, some of these trade targets that I actually like, uh, Adam Henrique, Noah Hannafin, Vladimir Tarasenko, Frank Vitrano, Arthur Kaliev, and Capo Kappa are two young players that if they get traded to another team, maybe they get more minutes or a fresh start and it'll do them well. Um, players who might play a bigger role on teams because their teams are trading away players, which means more ice time for them. So I look at the Calgary Flames top line, uh, Kuzmenko, Sharangovich, and Huberdeau. Um, Dylan Strom is one of my favorite streaming targets right now. I actually think he's a great hold for the Washington Capitals. Zach Benson maybe down the stretch, maybe when the Sabres deal some of their fours, he gets more ice time. Leo Carlson, maybe if they deal Zegras. Um, and some guys who are disappointed in the first half. Like I look at Andre Svechnikov, and I feel like with the games coming on, with him being healthy, maybe he's a guy you can buy low on and keep an eye out for. Yeah, and I think it, it could also mean just players that, um, you know, you, you look at right now, it might be sitting on waivers that mm-hmm. do have a good playoff schedule that might be valuable. One team I look at is Vegas. I think they have a really favorable schedule mm-hmm. in the fantasy playoffs and we you know they have a line right now with you know nick uh nick wah uh barbashev and marshall it's been unbelievable mm-hmm. like nick was still widely available mm-hmm. he'd be somebody i'd look at maybe adding for for a playoff run he's got center right wing eligibility mm-hmm. um there's good value there i think just you know schedule is a huge thing right look at the opponents too like some of the matchups for teams in in mid to late march um those are the player those are the teams that you're going to want to look at players for yeah i mean and going back to the NA question we had last week, if you got an eye on some uh, college or junior player who might join the team later in the season, um, they might give you a little push for your fantasy playoffs because you're going to get some good deployment. Actually, it's funny. we I mentioned uh, Phil Kessel last week based on that question. And I, oh, yeah. I heard some rumblings. He, like Vancouver maybe is thinking about it or is interested. Well, that's the Rick Tockett connection. Right? Yeah. But so, I mean, even with Kessel, like, what's the upside? Sometimes, you know, you, you might I, as well, think, yeah, you might as well tough. go with the Vegas guys that you mentioned, like guys who are actually established in a in a role on a team or playing a bigger role down the stretch, or going to a new team and playing a bigger role. Yeah, for sure. Even if like the Canucks sign Kessel, I find it hard to see where he's kind of slots in there that he'd have fantasy value. But mm-hmm. unless there's an injury or something in that top six, but who knows? A lot of what ifs. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, next question, Kemp, Adrian Kempe or Wyatt Johnson rest the season? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, this this has a lot to do with deployment. So Johnson's not on the top line in Dallas anymore. I I feel like he's going to find his way back at some point. Um, I just think, um, Peter DeBoer is just switching it up a little bit, but I do like Adrian Kempe. I, I do think the Kings are coming on a little bit. Don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I'd, I'd probably go Kempe too. I just think with Johnson being bumped down now, Kempe is the better player. Um, but if Johnson Johnson gets that top line spot, mm-hmm. I think he could be more valuable. Mm-hmm. But it might be hard for him to hold on to that all year. So I'd go with Kempe still. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we're near the end of this episode. Um, so we, as always, we do our sleeper and keeper picks. Uh, why don't you go ahead, Mike? Uh, all right, I am going with for my sleeper. 
uh, this week, I am going with a bit of a wild card here, Peter Mrazek. <laughs> um, I don't know how many people are paying attention to the to the Blackhawks with Bedard out of the lineup, but Mrazek has been unbelievable um, mm-hmm. in a really tough spot with you know little or no uh, goal scoring support. I think he's in his last five starts, the Blackhawks have been shut out three times, so he's really getting um, no support at all. But he's had a nine twenty save percentage or better in seven of nine starts now. Um, pretty good. Not going to get you wins, a lot of wins. But I, in fantasy, I always look for goalies that aren't going to blow up my stats. And I think Morazic is one guy that you can kind of trust. Um, he's Some of those games he's had uh, lately have been against some good teams like Edmonton, mm-hmm. Vancouver, uh, Dallas was in there. Like he's had pretty good showings against those teams. So he's kind of a guy you can trust. And if you're in a deep league, like he might be worth – and add just to kind of give you a, a good, you know, start or two during the week. It's been of a weird week because a lot of the top teams have gotten shut out. Yeah. And like following the all-star break, sometimes I think some of the teams were just a little rusty. We didn't see as many goals as we're used to. Um, maybe they're just hung over. I don't know. But anyway, your keeper. Uh, it's going with Yuri Slavkovsky, uh, Montreal Canadiens, playing a lot better lately. Playing top line. Yeah, top line, um, top power play. And he's held that spot for a while now. I mm-hmm. always kind of look at that with um, younger players when I'm looking to grab them is like, can they hold on to that spot? Or are they just getting a couple of games there? He's been there for about a month now. Um, I think he's got 16 points in 22 games. Not phenomenal, but mm-hmm. pretty steady. Th- uh, four goals in his last three games. He's playing better, um, doing well in the power play. Decent shot and hit volume. Um, obviously more of a long-term thing but i think right now in a one-year league you could still add him and, and roster him he's he's been he's been that that decent yeah uh in one of my primers this week uh i mentioned that he's really worth streaming maybe worth a hold uh for me we kind of mentioned him sleeper i'm going with uh, a funny one david riddick too uh i think that shutout win against the oilers does a lot for his fantasy value i think having a new coach in there is gonna help because pierre-luc dubois also scored which is shocking <laughs> Um, if he plays well, the Kings can be really good. Um, I just think maybe for a little while, they're going to keep rolling with Riddick to see where they take him. Um, I just think that there's some value there. And with four games this week, there's only three teams that only play four games, LA being one of them. He's going to get at least two starts. Even though they're on the road, he's going to get at least two starts. So um, you're going to get the quantity there. Yeah, and then, a, I was yeah. going to say, that's a good call. I, I, the four games thing is big because I think he could even get – as many as three starts. So for this week, mm-hmm. I think he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. And then for the keeper, I mentioned that before, I like Jonathan Huberto. I just think that maybe with Kuzmenko, another scoring winger on his line and Sharon Govich um, improving game by game, it seems. Um, I do think there's some value there. I just think when there's less pressure, maybe this is what unlocks Huberto's offensive potential. Yeah, and like Kuzmenko's a different player, right? He's a finisher, so yeah. Huberto kind of has a passer. He needs that. Maybe that helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all play on the uh, strong side now. So if you flip them, you get the one-timer. Uh, if not, then there, there's two guys playing on their strong side. So that's always good in my opinion. Yep. But anyway, this does it for our episode. Thank you for all the questions. Keep sending them to Mike and myself. You can send them on Twitter at JasonChen16 and at Amato underscore Mike. Uh, Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and follow and give us a like. And new episodes drop Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.